Do you own Dogecoin? You tweeted out that you owned it. Do you? Yeah. Is that real? Yeah. Fuck. I mean, that, like, so it's a huge thing for you. Uh, uh, well, okay. So the part I didn't tweet out was that I took gains along the way. Yeah. I feel like I can rule the world. I know I can be what I want to. I put my all in it like no days off on a road less travel, never looking back. All right, everyone, welcome to the episode. Do me a favor, mfmpod.com. So that's my first million, but abbreviated. So mfmpod, like podcast. So mfmpod.com. If you go there right now, you're going to see an inbox, uh, an email form. Enter your email. And each Thursday, Sean's sending out an email that does a summary of all the episodes that we've discussed and or launched that week. So make sure to sign up. You'll get a description of every single episode, along with all the links that we've mentioned, all the cool companies that we've mentioned. And also, we're doing a tour. So that comes out soon. But this June, we're going to June, or we're going to Austin and then Miami. And we're going to announce those dates and everything like that. So go to mfmpod.com and sign up. And you can be notified when all this is happening. And you'll get your weekly email that discusses the podcast. Sean, what are we talking about today? Today, we talk about Peak, a testosterone subscription company. We talked about B-Roll, which is a small little kind of bootleg company that I think could be big, could be bigger, and uh, but it does have some problems. And then we talked about a couple of gambling gambling websites, gambling products that I think are cool. Zed Run, which is all the rage right now, people selling digital horses for $20 million, and Polymarket, a place where you can go bet on anything. So we talked about that as well. And make sure to listen to it towards the end, or I'm not trying to trick you, you could just skip ahead, but... Uh, we said our feelings on today's episode, and I think a lot of people are going to like what, what we had to say, but you might need to listen to the first bit, uh, the first half at least to understand the context. So give it a listen. Do you guys want to do the intro? Yeah, let's do the intro. Uh, I feel like I kind of fucked up that episode. I don't feel like I did a good job, but um, it was okay. leave, 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 this, leave this part in too. So <laughs> I think it's worth it. <laughs> Why do you think it was a dud? Uh, sometimes I just look at the clock and I'm like, oh, fuck, we're halfway through the episode. And I feel like we uh, what have we said so far, you know, and then like. That's what that's how I judge it. Uh, Abreu, what did you think? Yeah, I thought it was a B. I thought we spent too much time on things that weren't ideas. Um, some of the ideas that we did talk about were things that we've talked about before, like Peak and Zed Run. Um, thought B-roll was actually really cool. I'm glad we spent time on that. But overall, B. All right. And you, and you guys just didn't have the energy. Sam, you didn't bring the energy today, man. Is that crazy? That's crazy how you could tell. I don't feel well at all. Um, but I didn't think that I was low energy. Dude, some days I'm just like having a sluggish day, bad day. I get on this call and I'm just, I get your guys' energy. And that just like helps me get through the day. And that's uh, funny. No, I feel horrible. I didn't sleep well. I mean, I just feel, I do feel sluggish. I just didn't, I had a bad night's sleep. That's so funny that that radiates. That sucks. I thought you, I thought you were fine, but you usually have one or two moments in the episode that are like the Sam moment where you like, get really either excited or you think something's really dumb. And uh, yeah, so, so that didn't happen. Hey, let's take a quick break to tell you about our sponsor. There's no secret formula for customer service, but there is an all new service hub from HubSpot and it's bringing service and support together in one platform so you can deliver the best experiences possible. You can free up your customer support reps time with an AI powered help desk so you can easily support and grow your customer base. The secrets out service hub is a game changer. Visit HubSpot.com slash service to learn more. But let's talk about some stuff. You want to talk about Peak? Did you invest in Peak? I did. When? Uh, over the weekend. I talked to him maybe Friday. And on the first call, I was like, and I was actually quite skeptical of this. So this, this will give people the context. Uh, 
This is one of the first ideas that we've ever discussed as this new scheme. I, of- I think literally episode maybe one or two of when we started doing the brainstorm, Sam goes, TRT subscription. And I was like, what? What?" He's like, uh, so I've been taking testosterone. Uh, TRT is testosterone replacement therapy. I've been taking testosterone and I think this could be a great business because, um, you know, if you take it, it helps you. You're going to keep taking it on a subscription. Like we were talking about why the business might be great. And we were both like, dude, that's a great idea. Why doesn't somebody do this? And obviously people were already doing it. And so you recently were like, hey, there's this company Peak that I'm investing in that does that testosterone thing. You should talk to him. And so I did. And I went in with honestly kind of like lukewarm uh, expectations. I don't know why. Like, I, I, I don't know. I just didn't like, I didn't know how big it was going to be. I didn't really know. Like I, I myself, I don't take it because I'm like, I had some concerns. Like, is this really good for you or bad for you? Blah, blah, blah. And then I was totally convinced on the call. The guy was, a, the guy Saad, who you introduced me to, is an amazing communicator. Like, this guy was so good at selling me on the business. I was like, you're going to sell everybody your product if you can sell me this well on your business. Uh, he was a really, really talented guy. Yeah, he, he is talented. It's a, it's a really, I think it's a pretty safe bet, is what I think. Right. I, think it's a, it's, I think it's a safe bet. But I, there, so basically, TRT is, uh, I believe it, uh, you know, I should know, I, I put it in my body, but it, it's, I believe it's synthetic testosterone. And you can put it in via, like you can rub well, it on we, your we body. Should, we should explain the problem, right? Which is that yeah. males, uh, you know, as you age in general, your testosterone levels go down, right? So in your 20s, you're this stallion. And then by the time you're in your 40s, your testosterone levels are, you know, I, I don't know, multiples less than they were in your 20s. Okay, that's just nature taking, you know, that's father time. Okay, but there's also like other issues, which is that today a guy in his 20s and 30s has the testosterone levels of like a 70-year-old man 50 years ago or something crazy. Like there's, a, there's some stats and here. And there's a lot of reasons to why, why that's the case. Although uh, doctors and scientists, they're like, well, we don't exactly really know, but it could possibly be that we live like pretty soft lives. Like there's not that much fear or like compared to like, we don't have a, a death threat on a regular basis or a dying of different diseases. Although maybe that's different for the last two years. We, um, we, um, drink plastic we or we drink out of plastic what else did they say we we smoke less which a lot of people think nicotine and uh testosterone levels are are correlated uh and there's a variety of other reasons but basically the average person's t level the average person the average boy man they're uh, the 25 year old is like that of like a 56 year old yada 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 and what that means is a lot of guys think well testosterone okay so you're just gonna have big muscles and look good naked that's kind of actually kind of like a secondary thing. The first thing is that you're actually become incredibly depressed and like bummed and you just don't feel like I call it like aggressiveness, but it's not really like I want to fight you aggressiveness. It's like I can I'm like a little bit more confident and I have a purpose. Anyway, um, I got tested for this and I had a low T and I, I tried a lot of different solutions. So I tried this company. It's pretty great. I, I think it's I think it's a I think it could be pretty cool. I think they, they're doing pretty big numbers already. We'll see if they can pull it off. I think a company like uh, a testosterone business. This is one of those companies. I think Sean, you said it one day where you're like, there's a bunch of different risks here. There's technological risks. Like, can you actually build it? There's market risks. Like, does the market actually want this? Um, in this case, those two things aren't risks. The right. third risk is operational excellence. Uh, are you competent enough to pull this off? And that's the risk that they have. And I actually think that's a, that's a pretty easy risk because that's a commodity. I mean, there, there's, 
they're, if you overpay a handful of Uber employees, they're going to figure out the problem. <laughs> yeah, you go find the guy who opened up Uber's like Atlanta business, and you're like, yeah. hey, I need uh, you. You're, you are an operational person. I need you to come here and solve this problem. Uh, yeah. which, by the way, I think I've invested in four companies, and like on the founding team of each of them was like, I opened up Uber in Can- – I ran Uber's Canada business. I went there first to open it. I became the GM. Or like there's an Uber competitor, Uber for flowers, right? Bloom that. I invested in the guy who like ran that because it's like these guys have operational excellence. They just needed to find a good market that uh, really wants a product. So I think you're right that the market does want this, but there is, you know, an education step that has to be done. Product. Yeah. They have almost zero yeah, product, I, product risk. Um, but it really is about regulation and op- operational excellence. So do they have regulatory risks and do they have operational excellence because you have to properly handle it, right? The flow is they don't just give testosterone to anybody. You take a test. So you at home finger prick, you send the blood to the lab, the lab gets, you know, gets reviewed by a doctor and the doctor says, yeah, your, your levels are great or your levels are low. And if your levels are low, we can offer you a prescription if you want. And, um, and then when you get the prescription, they need to keep measuring over time to see if your levels are improving or not and, and that sort of thing. And so there's a big kind of like time lag. It's not just like, you know, buying a thing off Amazon or two days later, it's at your house and there's no risk in, in playing with that toy. It's like, no, there's risks. This is actual medical. It's a medical, it's a digital medical workflow. And those are new. So like all of the telehealth um, products are like this. Hims and Row are probably the most successful versions of these where they took Viagra and they said, okay, how do we market to people who might have erectile dysfunction? How do we get them a prescription? How do we, so how do we pair a, a person on Facebook who sees our ad to a doctor who can prescribe them, a, you know, that they, ha, that they ha diagnosed them with erectile dysfunction, prescribe them a medicine, and how do we create the generic version of Viagra? How do we take this product and how do we sell it? And then how do we do that whole thing profitably, right? So similar, similar mindset. Those have become multi-billion dollar companies. And I think that there's more to come in that vein. I've invested in a couple, Peak being the latest. But yeah, I think this is great. And you're, like you said, uh, the thing I would have been worried about was twofold. One, uh, does this really work and what are the side effects? And as he was talking me through it, I was like, okay, well, you're very convincing, but obviously you're somewhat biased, right? You're like the owner of this company. Uh, but he started as a user of the product. So, so I think it is somewhat organic. Um, but I was like, okay, that sounds good. I'm going to do some independent research and I'll figure this out for myself too. The second thing was, I didn't like the idea of injecting myself in the butt or I don't know, where do you, where do you inject yourself? The thigh? I put it in my thigh and it right. doesn't hurt at all. Uh, I do it two days a week. And um, so why don't you take the gummy or like the cream? That seems like, like a gummy seems way better than a shot. I got used to it and I didn't want to deviate. Uh, I had a provider that only did the shot and I just was like, yeah, I'm used to it. It also like feels like it's going to work better. I don't actually know if it does. And I asked him I, this. I go, I go, uh, he, he said he has all three and I go, why would anybody choose the shot? He goes, actually, if you look in popularity, our shot is the most popular. And yeah. then the second is this and the third is this. And I said, is that because it's more effective? And he goes, no, it's not more effective. In fact, the cream is the most effective. But, uh, but people believe there's a, there's, there's a perception that the shot, oh, this is, I'm doing the real thing. I'm getting the, the full effect of this. And I thought, oh, that's funny how that like perception is reality. Yeah. So I like it, but I've been doing it for a while and. Um, this isn't like a peak uh, commercial. And so we'll just be explicit about this. Sean and I both have a financial incentive in this company. We are both investors of this company, but uh, it's it's sick. We've been talking about TRT for a while. I'm a fan and uh, I've been taking it now for 
two or three years, um, it changed my body. I didn't take it for my body, but it changed. I think way. they'll be. Uh, I think they'll be at a hundred million in sales in the next three years. That's my my prediction. My bet. Yeah, I believe that. The question is who buys it, and um, I don't know yet. I mean, it's a pretty taboo thing, so they got to fight some taboo uh, stuff. But uh, yeah, we'll see. I mean, because people when they say they're like, "Oh, you're taking steroids," and I joke, I'll be like, "Yeah, I take steroids. It's not actually steroids, right? It's not an, an anabolic steroid." Right. Um, but they do. They've got some. They've got a little bit of culture uphill battle to fight. But I think people are going to be open-minded to this actually far more than I ever thought. I know a lot of people who take TRT and I, and I was shocked that, uh, that, that many people do. I thought I was going to be the only one. Especially because Joe Rogan, AKA the male Oprah does it and vouches for it. I think that goes a big way. Like that guy has like a pretty massive mainstream following. And, uh, when he normalizes something, uh, it's just a matter of time. You know, first his diehards will go do it. And then the other people will get curious and start to check it out. And eventually, as it gets more popular, people will remember that Joe vouched for him. Joe, Joe does it. So, you know, I think that goes a long way. Just like Oprah had a big effect on a lot of businesses. I think a person of Joe Rogan's magnitude is actually not just any other influencer. Do you want to talk about some of these ideas that you have? You've got some amazing ideas. Do you want to talk about Zed? That's yeah, let's, crazy. Let's talk about Zed. Okay, so we so, both, uh, we mentioned Zed on the pod before. Why don't you explain what it is and then- No, we'll you do it. it. It's so- it's this is like perfect for you this is like a you this is like a sean company okay it's as really simple zed is a uh it's digital horse racing so if you've ever been to a horse racing track super fun you know saturday sunday experience you go to a track there's a bunch of horses you don't know anything about horse racing that you don't know anything about the strategy you look at the sheet you know what do you do at a horse racing event you sort of drink and you bet and um and so the betting part is there's eight horses they're about to run you don't know anything about any of the horses. You look at the names and they all got funny names like, you know, um, you know, Mother's Last Hope or something like that. And then you're like, you know what? I think Mother's Last Hope might win. I'm going to bet 50 bucks on Mother's Last Hope, 90 on, uh, you know, uh, Sam Parr's Ponytail. And then the last one, you know, is like whatever, Me Lucky Charms. And so you bet on three horses out of the eight. The horses run across. You're cheering like crazy. You just want your horses to win. They Maybe they do. They Maybe they don't. And uh, And whatever. It's a good time. And so... Horse racing is almost like the purest form of gambling because you really don't, there's really no strategy that you don't ha need any skill or strategy, but you're safe because really the other people also don't have any skill or strategy. So it's not like a poker table where if you don't know what you're doing, you'll get taken advantage of. Um, horse racing is, is very simple in that way. So what Zed did was they brought that online. Okay, well, that's that seems kind of niche. The smart thing was they brought it online in the crypto format. So the way it works is, um, it is a crypto project. It is an NFT project, which we've talked about before. So you go on Zed and you can buy a horse. So you can, uh, you can buy a horse or you can breed two horses together. And, um, and so you'll have a horse and then you can race your horse and then your horse can win for you or it can lose for you. It's sort of like a little Tamagotchi pet of yours. And, um, and every horse has like these characteristics. So there's like a probability when you breed your horse or when you buy your horse, there's like a probability it's going to be like, a small fraction of chance, it's going to be the LeBron James of horses. It's so athletic, it's just going to win every race. And then there's a probability it's going to be average or below average. And uh, so there's a gambling aspect just in the breeding and buying of horses, not just the races themselves. And so people are going on there, they're, they're buying and collecting horses like they're Pokemon, and they race them against each other and they win money. 
and these guys are crushing it. So yeah, so this what Sean just said. It, so the URL is Z dot run. So Z E D dot run. What he just described it sounds kind of silly. And look, like it is silly, I guess. Like all, I guess gambling is silly, but whatever, it's fun. And 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 the artwork is cool. And what he just sounds sounds like a small idea, but their numbers are ast- are astonishing. So go ahead. What are the numbers? They uh, they sell horses like in a in a batch. So it'll be like you know in June they'll do like a drop of new horses that you can go buy. And so they just did a drop uh, a few days, two days ago, I think, three days ago. So they did a drop, and. Um, it was 18 million in digital horse sales. So they sold $18 million of digital horses to 2,400 buyers. Uh, the top spender paid about $800,000 and the top 100 spenders spent $8.3 million. And, um, and so what's, un- what's happening here under the hood is that there's a group of people who are investors and in, they believe in NFTs. They love to gamble. And my, what my, one, one of my friends is those guys. Uh, well, Joe, we'll just say Joe. He, he spent six figures on it. That's amazing. We're going to have one of the biggest whales on the pod. I, for, I forgot to tell you this. The, uh, one of the biggest whales in this whole space and the NFT space reached out and he has a crazy story. And he's like, I'd love to come tell the story on your pod. So, so we should have him on. He, we'll go in more in depth with him there. But hey, let's take a quick break to tell you about our sponsor. It is a podcast that we want you to check out. It's called D2C Pod. It's hosted by Ramon Berrios and Blaine Bolas. It is brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. And this is a podcast about all things direct-to-consumer, D2C. It's e-commerce stores. It's how you optimize your brand. And they're talking with founders, marketers, and the platform creators about all kinds of things that you need to know for D2C. You know, website conversion, paid ads, Facebook ads, consumer trends, email marketing, If you want to know the stories behind your favorite brands, this podcast is for you. They did an episode recently about scaling creator growth and influencer incentives. I thought it's pretty cool. So check it out. Listen to D2C Pod wherever you get your podcasts. My understanding is that there's these people that were really big into daily fantasy, like they play DraftKings, FanDuel, and these were the whales there. And then, you know, they were doing daily fantasy for a while. And then Top Shot came out, NBA Top Shot, and they went heavy into Top Shot. They bought a bunch of Top Shot things. They were buying and selling from each other and that was driving up the prices and, um, and they had these huge Top Shot collections and now Top Shot was worth a lot more money and they did well there. And then they said, all right, great. What's the next Top Shot? And they went to Zed Run and Zed Run is the next Top Shot. And so, so that's what that they were doing. So 18 million, where do the proceeds go? So I think it goes to Zed. I don't think there's anybody else to go to here. So I think Zed basically mints the horses and uh, and they they buy them so that so Zed gets the sort of initial sale, and then from there, um, you know, if I sell my horse to you, I get I get the proceeds of that sale. Then from from there, there's maybe some transaction fee. So I think that's it. I don't think there's any other like I don't think there's miners and other stuff involved, but I could be wrong. I Who puts up the pr- and, and then you buy your horse, and then what's the likelihood that your horse is going to win a race? Is it, is it, do they establish you basically, when you're buying a horse, you're buying the, you, that probability that it's going to win. I'm, I'm out of my pay grade here. I don't know exactly how the horse racing probabilities work. Uh, you know, how does the slot machine work? I'm not exactly sure. I just know I pulled the lever and looking for, looking for cherries. So, so it's crazy. So let me tell you, uh, I'll give you some inside baseball here. Sean talked about, told me about this, uh, 60 days ago, maybe, uh, no, like no, no. your Our friend Narendra told us about it, but told both of us about it. Yes, and you brought it up on the podcast. And this was, was this 60 days ago, maybe? Two yeah. months ago? And you guys described it, and I was like, this is silly. But 
Sean's been pretty spot on with some of the stuff. Narendra's been spot on as well. He he was early in Clubhouse. Even you know he 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 sees shit. And I contacted the founders of Zed, and I got them on the phone, and I spent like an hour talking to them. And they're raising money, and I was like, I'm in. They're gonna let me invest. <laughs> and they took a week, and they said no, we don't have either. I they, they did. It was a vague either like they don't have room or they're not sure if they're gonna raise. Um, regardless, well, that's cool. Um, but it's pretty nuts the amount of interest that they've been getting. And the founders were really cool guys. And it, I was devastated. I didn't get, didn't get in. If you guys are listening, call me. Um, <laughs> right. but it's, it's pretty crazy, like how much interest that this company is getting. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so, so, you know, I was, I almost bought a $10,000 digital horse over the weekend because, uh, I wanted to get in before this drop and I just got busy with Mother's Day stuff and didn't, didn't get around to it. But I think, you know, I, I don't know if this is a good investment or a bad investment. I would, my personal opinion is that this is going to have a hype cycle and the prices are going to go up. It's going to be like, Oh my God, there's, you know, this company's done 300, $300 million of digital horse sales. And then, you know, 400 days from now, um, we're going to be like, remember Zed run? That was, that was a fun four weeks. Uh, kind of like, kind of like we, big clout, kind of like big clout, kind of like top shot, kind of like clubhouse, right? Like th- this is not uncommon and it's not really even a knock on them. Like, look, they did better than 99% of startups that don't get a hype cycle, but, um, I don't see how much longevity there is here because it's the, the trick is when the primary value is speculation then it's hard for something to sustain. And in here, it's like primary value number one is speculation. I'm going to get this horse. I'm going to sell it for more. Primary value two is uh, a game. And both games and speculation, uh, you know, sort of uh, fade over time um, with everything except for Bitcoin, because for Bitcoin, the speculation is actually what makes it valuable. Um, it, it, you know, people speculate that the price will go higher. The higher the price goes, the more it actually is a store of value. So the speculation actually creates the product. Um, whereas that's not the case for Zet. Do you ever ask yourself, how are we going to build or how, you know, how, individually, how do we make stuff on the internet that can actually last 20, 30, 40, 50 years? Because you think of the things that are in the top uh, 50 companies right now, most of them, I bet, that are tech-based are, are launched inside the last 15, how old is Google? 20 years old? Um, ish. Yeah. Year two thousand maybe or ninety six so twenty five yeah everything's so new and changes so rapidly. Do you ever ask yourself how are you going to create something that can last a long time, or do you not care about that? I don't really care about that. Uh, what I do care about, I guess, like my view is that you got to go on either end of the spectrum. Either you try to build something that's going to be really defensible and valuable, and really what what I mean. By, uh, so for me, it's not about something lasting over time. It's this one theory, which is um, does it have a positive flywheel, which means the more people who use it and the longer it's around, does it become more and more valuable? There's this, something called the law of increasing returns. And so I want to be in a business that's like that. might be hard to get the flywheel you, turning. Explain that. What does that mean? Yeah. So like an example of it is, uh, there's many, but let's say uh, Amazon or uh, Amazon is the classic example of this. So what makes a shopping store valuable? A store is valuable if it has large selection, low prices, and fast delivery. So with Amazon, for every single customer that comes on, for every single product that they add to it, they're increasing the variety uh, available to that customer. Because they have so many customers, they can offer the lowest prices. And because they have so many customers and so much uh, like um, built up 
you know, sort of supply chain infrastructure to behind their thing, they can offer the fastest delivery. And so for them, every new customer or every new merchant is just like, it's kind of like you used to say with the, the hustle, every email is a wind, you know, we're a pirate ship and every email subscriber is a little wind in our sails. It's that, but basically it makes it better for everybody else. The classic example of this is Facebook, right? So every person who joins Facebook makes Facebook more valuable to all the other people on Facebook. And so in, in the beginning, when Facebook has zero people on it, it's not very valuable to anybody. Even the first 10 people is not very valuable to anybody. But once it gets every additional person, the thing gets more defensible over time. It gets more valuable to its existing customers, which makes it harder for anybody to compete. And they don't have to do a new thing. They don't have to come up with a new idea or a new business line. Like all they had to do was just get more people using it because the people were the value. Um, and Uber, same thing. Every additional driver on the road um, makes the, 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 vet, the service more valuable to everybody because you get faster pickup times. And faster pickup times means more people will take rides. More people take rides means more dollars available for drivers, which means more drivers on the road, which means faster pickup times again, right? So like that's the um, law of increasing returns. So, so that's what you really want is what's called a positive flywheel. So I care about that a lot because business is really hard anyways. Um, but when you don't have that, you're just always working harder and harder to get more. Whereas with those businesses, you work extremely hard at the beginning to get it going, but then m momentum starts to be on your side. And I like that. Um, I and, and I used to be, and, and I and I have to fight this. I, you and I are quite. Or I don't know if you are, but I, I, you might be. Where, where I like to take shortcuts when I first start stuff, or at least I like right. I used to. It's I'm easy like, to get going here. Yeah. yeah, like let me like because I was well, always really good. I'm like I can blunt. I can blunt. I can, I can, brute force. you know, brute force this. I, I, people always just say like, um, well, you know, if you want to chop down a tree, you should spend most of your time sh sharpening your ax. I'm like, fuck that. Give me a sledgehammer hammer, and I'm going to start banging. And by the time you're done with your sharpening, I'm going to knock I'll be halfway over. through. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, just get out the way. I'm going to use strength and just, and just will, you know, force a will and I'm going to get it done. And that, I, that actually is super effective a lot of times, but totally it's incredibly harmful some of the time because I have taken shortcuts where I'm like, man, had I done in this, this way and just slowed down and done it the right way, I would have been, it would have paid huge dividends eight months, 10 months, 14 months later. Right. I wish I would have done that. And when I hear these stories, um, I definitely think like, is definitely the right way. You have to put faith that you are going to be happier two years from now than you are if you do it this one way, even though it sucks now. And yeah. So, is, so, really so I think the important thing is to recognize the companies that are uh, businesses that don't have this advantage. So let's take e-commerce. E-commerce is actually quite easy to get going, um, right? Like you, you, you don't even have to have a product. You can drop ship or you just start doing, you know, you can do a thousand dollars of ads and make $2,000 of revenue. Like, great. You're in the game. It wasn't that hard to get started. You didn't need a license. You didn't need uh, anything to, to get going. Maybe some initial inventory. That's kind of like the, the biggest barrier. Um, but e-commerce doesn't ever get this law of increasing returns. Uh, I don't think so, at least, or it's minimal at best, which is that, you know, if you're at $1 million in e-commerce sales, getting to $2 million, um, you know, you're going to have to do more work. You don't get less work over time. So you have to keep manufacturing the product. Uh, whatever you did last year, you know, doesn't really behoove you, doesn't really benefit your, your growth. Uh, you keep having to spend money on advertising and marketing. It doesn't get cheaper over time. It gets more expensive the bigger you try to scale it. And so those have, you know, sort of almost negative, negative effects over time. Um, at the very minimum, it's neutral. 
And so, um, so yeah, basically I'm just trying to describe kind of like a network effect or a flywheel style business where, um, how is it that when you, um, if you draw an arrow between all the different parts of your business, I get customers, they do X because of X, Y happens because of Y I get more customers. That's what you want. The circle has to connect. And if the circle connects, it doesn't matter that if it's hard to get off the ground, once you do it, it's going to like start spinning faster and faster and get more and more valuable over time. That's how you get a long lasting company. That's one way. The other way, the other thing I think about is the exact opposite. What's something that's super, dis- super disposable? Yeah, this arbitrage opportunity may not be around forever, but it's here now. And so when I look at opportunities, I look at one of, I try to go like on one end of the spectrum or the other when I'm being smart. And then sometimes I'm not being smart and I go in the middle and I, I, I hate my life after that. And I actually think that it's important to acknowledge that there's room for that second one, which is everyone says like, or myself as well, I'll look at something like that and I'll say, oh, this is like a get rich quick thing. This is just some stupid, meaningless arbitrage. And the answer is, yeah, it is. Right. Exploit it. It exists. <laughs> Have we talked about B-roll? We haven't talked about it before. Okay. So B-roll is a website that is not very well known, but it's useful in the e-commerce world. So what is this? So the one of the most effective forms of advertising is what's called um, UGC, user-generated content. Uh, why does this work? Well, most people are advertising on platforms like uh, Facebook or Instagram or uh, you know Snapchat, Pinterest, places like that. And what are you competing with? You're not actually you're not competing with other advertisers. You're competing against the feed. Uh, you're c- competing against the scroll. If somebody is going to scroll right by your ad to the next piece of like entertaining content, right? Because you're it's you're here trying to sell a product, and the next person is trying to make the person laugh or click the like button and then keep scrolling. So. You know, you're competing against a meme, you're competing against an influencer, you're competing against like, you know, some model in her bikini on Instagram. So how is your ad going to compete in that, that environment? Well, turns out the best way to compete is actually not, uh, not to stand out, but to, to blend in, to look like Instagram content. Well, how do you do that? So what people started doing was they were paying, started paying influencers. How do I get the Kardashians? You know, it's like that brand sugar bear hair. They went and they paid the Kardashians, you know, silly money to post a picture with themselves with the little blue gummy bear in their teeth, you know, in their mouth. Basically, they're holding it, they're like biting down on it, and they took a picture doing that while holding the bottle of sugar bear hair, right? And so they go, and you pay a lot of money for influencers to do things. And influencers are kind of hard to deal with. They're divas, they have managers, and, um, you know. And this is uh, B-Roll.io, B-E-B-E-E-R-O-L-L.io, B-Roll.io. Right. And so what does B-roll do? All right, B-roll basically says, hey, let's give, we will get you content that looks like a person on Instagram just using your product. It looks like someone just posting a review, uh, you know, a video review where they say, you know, I bought this hat, uh, found this hat, I really love it. Here's why, uh, you know, I have this problem with the sun getting in my eyes. So this hat is amazing for XYZ reasons. Or they'll be like, you guys, I just got my package from, blah, blah, blah in the mail. I'm so excited to open it. I've been waiting for weeks for this thing. And it's like, what is this? Uh, who is this? Like, you know, who is this person? What have they been waiting weeks for? And then they open it up and they're like, great. Here's this eye wrinkle cream. And you know, it's going to be so good. I'm going to try it on, blah, blah, blah. They make this video out of it. And so B-roll is basically a way to push a button and get a bunch of average looking people to create the content that fits your story that you want. So you almost write a little script, a little storyboard where you say, first, um, say that you got the package in the mail and you're so excited. Second, 
open it up while you're in your bathroom and show your face in the mirror before. Third, put the cream on. Then fourth, uh, you know, do your makeup, do your hair, put improve the lighting, and then show how much better you look now that you put our cream on. And then say, guys, you got to try it. I want you, you know, you guys got to, if you guys follow me, you guys got to try this or whatever. So how do, how do they make money? They take a cut. So what they've done is they went and got all the like wannabe influencers of the world, micro influencers. This is like, you know, some mom in Florida who wants to make 40, 50 bucks for, uh, for making a video while she's at home, like while her kid naps, or it's like, you know, some girl in college who's in her dorm room and wants to make, you know, $100 this month to pay for whatever, you know, manicure and a pedicure. And what they get is they get your product for free and then maybe they get a little bit of cash. And in return, what you get is content for your ads that looks like real human beings making content because it is real human beings making content for you. Is it a big business? It's a good business. I don't know. It's not a big business yet. But I think this could be a big business. It's sort of criminally undermarketed, right? I, me explaining this is probably the best marketing they've had, right? And ironically, this is actually like a B-roll, right? Like if they, I told, know if they they're going to use this. Did you see? Uh, there's an app called Parcast, I think, something like that. Uh, no, it's not called. I forget what it is. Oh, Pinata, and they're using your your voice and me like commenting as an ad. I got, I got, I kind of got angry at them. So. Uh, What's what's this company called? Beehive. Be roll. I talked to the guy who who owns it. I actually would like to buy a business like this. I think this is a, a really good. This is a business that can make. I don't know. It can make a lot of money. So here's what I relate this to. There's, um, there's a business called User Testing, which we've talked about on on here. I before. like User Testing. User Testing did the same thing. They activated the stay at home mom workforce, which is. There's a whole bunch of people that are staying at home. They want a little bit of side income. They don't want to have like specific skills, like, you know, some coding or designing or something like that. And they just want to make a little bit of money. They'll, they're willing to basically trade half an hour or an hour of their time for 10, 15 bucks. And uh, they have flexibility. They do it when they want and they don't do it when they don't want. And um, so what user testing is, is they basically matched up that mommy at home workforce with companies that wanted feedback on their website. So go to my website, try to do X, Y, and Z and uh, record yourself while you do it. And if you get confused, I want to see that so I can go improve my design. And user testing has become a, a very large company, hundreds of millions in revenue, and will go public, you know, probably in the next 12 to 24 months is my guess. And so user testing became a large company, a multi-billion dollar company doing that. I think this activates the stay-at-home work- workforce in a different way, which is to say, hey, do a review or a testimonial of my product that I can put on my website or in my marketing, right? Um, what, what, why wait for, why pay, I overpay for influencers or wait for customers to like take the time to do this. I'll pay you, I'll give you some free product. I'll pay you a little, a little chump change to create a testimonial or a review or create whatever, you know, little, little short video clip. Cause that's the, what I need to be advertising on TikTok or anywhere else. Great. Can I explain to you what I would do if I wanted to make money off this? Yeah. I used to have like a little like e-com things and I would go to, I hate admitting this because frankly, I don't think it was a good idea, but I would go to fiverr.com and I would write a script and I would pay someone five to a hundred dollars to record them as a testimonial. Really, it wasn't even that good because they make it look too professional. Yes, but too professional, yeah. It was a testimonial nonetheless. Now, I have no idea if this is what, what's it called? B-roll. I have no idea if this is what they did. But basically what they're doing is they're just taking a very specific niche 
of Fiverr. Fiverr.com is like uh, probably the leader in this space. It's a publicly traded company. It's um, uh, the whole shtick was $5 things that you could do now. Uh, right. Like you can draw a logo or make a video, a 30 second video, and people would game it. I use Fiverr.com to get 10,000 Twitter followers. And it automatically looks like I had 10,000 Twitter followers. So it made me look legit, yada, yada, yada. People use it for scams. What I would do is I'm looking at Fiverr's annual report. And they'll actually tell you, more likely than not, what some of the fastest growing categories are um, and what the fastest and most popular services are. Or you could just go straight to Fiverr.com and do like rank by popularity. And I would just rinse and repeat. And I would look at what B-roll did. And I would look at which category is the most popular. And I would create a website just for that. And I think you could probably build a pretty good business doing that. We should we should do that. We should go into we should do a dive into Fiverr's, um, you know, like public reports, and let's see what we find because Fiverr is a pretty interesting business. We could do Fiverr and uh, maybe like Upwork or whoever. I'm going to show you. Oh, you can't see my screen, huh? Like you could do you could do like like all right. I'm just on Fiverr.com, like Fiverr, but only focusing on voiceovers. So right. it's like. For for five hundred dollars, we'll read whatever you want for a sixty second thing, and I sound like this voiceover. I sound like a movie guy, or you can get this other person uh, who sounds like a, a commercial lady from a credit card commercial. Well, yada 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 yada. So, and, or you can do, you I'm, can do like, I'm, I'm going to go send ahead. you a screenshot of the uh, of the like the storyboard that I submitted um, to to use this thing. And uh, <laughs> I mean, it's the design looks like a little bit crazy, but. Uh, but it is pretty cool. You'll see like how this works, and I think I think it makes it very real in your mind, like um, how how powerful this would be. It's like uh, so. For example, if you're an e-commerce store right now or an e-commerce owner, which is all, there's a lot of these, right? Shopify has exploded in popularity, and you you book a photo, you book a professional photographer, you go to a studio, and you you go look at all your favorite brands: Lululemon, Nike, Gap, whoever, right? And you say, we want to make commercials like them. We want to have our, our photos like them. That's the way this should work. We want beautiful, clean, you know, like perfect lighting, cute models, wearing our stuff, smiling and holding hands. And then you go put that on Facebook. And then next to it, you take out your iPhone and you record your face. And you're, you're basically set, you basically are holding up your product in shitty lighting in your bathroom. And you go, guys, I just got this, you know, whatever lip gloss. And um, I don't know why I pick lip gloss. Like I, I, I wouldn't even know the first thing about what to say about lip gloss. All right, let's pick a different one. Guys, huh. I just got this hair product for my men's long hair that I have. Um, I don't know about you guys, but I wake up in the morning, it looks like this. And then what I do is I just squeeze this on, put this in my hair, and bam, I look fantastic. And um, you know, whatever. It, even less salesy than that. It's just like, guys, it looks so good, except for this little part here. But I got to work on that. Anyways, you guys get the idea. Blah blah. blah. <laughs> that ad will kick ass compared to the studio photographer official um high quality um uh you know professional have, you, done e- have you even seen that the commercials on TV people are doing this now too yeah cuz they saw cuz before They're you couldn't measure TV well enough right TV was hard to measure you couldn't figure out what works and what doesn't now you throw both ads on Facebook you throw a thousand ads on Facebook and you'll see this one gets the most clicks this one gets the mo- longest views this one results in high, highest number of purchases so then they probably did that, spent $100 million on Facebook and said, this is the best way to communicate our product to our customers. Now, hey, TV guy, roll this instead. And then they're like, are you sure? This looks like shit. And it's like, no, 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 trust me, this works. And so this lifestyle type of content or user-generated style of content works so well. So then the question is, 
you're basically feeding into Facebook's ad engine. So this looks like a small business, right? It even sounds like a small business. B-roll, who, you know, like B-E-E, like a little bumblebee. The website looks like shit. Um, you know, it, it seems How much like- revenue do you think they make? I think they're probably doing a couple million, one or two million a year is my guess. And uh, I think that this could easily be, you know, nine figure business. Why? Because you're taking a subset of the Facebook ad engine, right? Facebook, people are spending billions and billions of dollars on Facebook advertising. If you have a way for them to create more ad creative that converts better at scale without hiring their own people and doing this stuff in-house, people are going to take you up on that bargain. But you'd have to like, you know, basically market yourself as well. You'd have to go and, and figure out how to get them all to use you. You know what would be kind of cool? I'm just thinking about this as we talk about so many things that I would love to do. I'm like, oh, this is just seems exciting. And, and a lot of people think that way. We should do an episode one day or make a list of, of where we list out the type of headaches uh, that each business comes with. So I think the issue is that we make things sound easy. And in some regard, they are they're really simple, but they have issues. That everything has issues. So like with media, the issues is you have to deal with people, personnel, because um, it's a your people make your stuff. With e-com, you have to deal with uh, like the shipping and logistics. Uh, you have to, what, what, what do you have to deal with? Cash flow issues, um, whatever. With yeah, the whole B2B, supply chain, yeah. Supply chain stuff. With B2B software, you have to deal with- Enterprise like, sales, yeah. Enterprise sales. And you also have to deal with like, it can feel like it is a little slow t- sometimes. Like it, it can be a slog. Yep. Um, like there's issues for everything. I would love to hear like what the headaches are for this. And some of the other stuff that we talk about. So, like, what are the issues with this? Um, probably maybe people, because uh, you're dealing so, with like, so it's, like a- quali- it's quality control. So, the biggest issue is I'm an advertiser. You did all the hard work to convince me to start to try using B roll to get some videos made. I put up my brief. Well, I kind of wrote it in kind of a shitty way because I don't know how to do this, right? I wrote my script. My script kind of sucks. It was unclear. It was open ended, blah, blah, blah. That goes to some, again, some some person in Tennessee who's just doing this for fun on the weekends to make a little side cash, they half read the thing, they record the thing, but there's like background noise, you know, behind them in, to the point where you can't hear what they're saying, or they didn't follow the prompt. The the, the, the right. client really said, "Start the video holding up our product," and uh, the person just didn't do that. And um, now the video's in. The client expects to get the video they wanted. The 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 video creator expects to. Um, get paid and nobody's happy. The client didn't like the video and the the creator said, I did the work. What's up? And you're in the middle and you're now having to figure out how am I going to ensure quality so that my advertisers don't get fed up and leave um, throughout this process. This is the problem for user testing as well. User testing has a whole fleet of humans and robotics to make sure that the tests that get submitted are going to make the client happy. And the client's not going to say, hey, I want a refund. This, This person didn't even follow our directions or you know, they, they didn't speak. They just, they just clicked. They didn't even give their thoughts out loud. Right. So like, we can't, I don't want to pay 15 bucks for this test. I didn't get what I wanted. And you still owe the guy 15 bucks because they did the work. And if you, if you don't pay either one, they're going to leave the platform. If you don't give either one what they want, they leave the platform. Now you have a churn problem. So quality assurance is the number one issue with a marketplace like this. In addition to the normal headaches of going and getting people to you know join your platform of a yeah. two-sided market. Yeah. I, I just want like a, I want like a glass door for different business ideas. Like, uh, what, what, where's the downside? Just because everything has it. Just tell me what the downside is and what I got to deal with. Um, yeah. Do you want to do one more or no? Yeah, let's do one more. Because uh, I feel okay. like I was long-winded and not that interesting today. So I'm going to try to make up for it. All right, uh, let's do one. Um, okay, this is cool. 
Polymarket. Have you seen Polymarket? No, tell me. All right, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna screenshot what um, what I do on this thing. So Polymarket is a betting network. It's a place to bet on the future. So you can bet on anything. So so if you go to bet Polymarket, on your beliefs is the uh, the name is is called or the phrase is bet on your beliefs. The, right. Their their trademark. So it's similar to any betting platform. Like oh, I can go bet. Will the Lakers win tonight? Or are they going to lose? Right. But you bet on different type of stuff. So here's the top bets right now. Uh, number one, will Dogecoin reach $1 at any point before June 15th, 2021? Will Andrew Yang win the Democratic primary of New York City in 2021? And so let's take that Andrew Yang one. By the way, really quick, do you own Dogecoin? You tweeted out that you owned it. Do you, yeah. Is that real? Yeah. Fuck. I mean, that, like, so it's a huge thing for you. Uh, uh, well, okay. So the part I didn't tweet out was that I took gains along the way. So I bought, oh. I bought a million Doge at three cents. And uh, so that would be, you know, I, I would have made, I don't know, like half a million to a million dollars or something like that if I just held the whole thing. But I sold at eight, I sold at 15, I sold at 30, I sold at, so now I still have a slug of it left. Uh, and I'm just letting that ride at, uh, it's at like 50 cents now or something like that. Yeah, only tweet the good stuff. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, okay. So <laughs> so, uh, so, anyways, this, so, so you could bet on something. So like there was, there was a bet or there's a bet right now. Will New York City be fully reopened by July 1? And then there's a price on, it's all simple, yes and no. So if you just look at this site, it'll show you that 60 grand has been bet on this bet. And most people are betting no. So uh, out of 100% of people who bet, 73% said no, and 27% said yes. And so when you go bet, you get better odds. Like if I'm betting the yes side and, and only 27% people have said yes, I get paid more if that ends up being correct. If I'm, if you take one of these other bets, like, you know, we'll both like this one. I bet this one, which is will Floyd Mayweather beat Logan Paul in their boxing, upcoming boxing match? To me, this is like a hundred percent probability that if the fight happens, Floyd Mayweather is going to beat Logan Paul. Yes. But on here, uh, you know, it's 94, you get 94 cents, basically is 94% think yes. And there's 6% if you bet the other side, if you bet Logan Paul is going to win. And so to me, that's free money that's going to happen in one month, right? And so I can make like a 6% return on my money this month just by putting it into that bet. Um, well, no. Uh, so I put in 10 grand and if he wins, I make uh, 10,161. No, well, that's only a 1.6. Well, well, so the problem is, so that's the thing. It, it's uh, There's slippage if you bet uh, more. So there's only been $6,000 bet into this bet. So if you bet 10 grand, you would have moved the market, right? So uh, put in $100 and you can see what your, what your return is. Um, and so for the bigger, the more popular bets, you can bet 10 grand and it's not going to move the market, right? The Andrew Yang one has 260 grand in. So your 10K is not really going to move the prices that much. That's interesting. So uh, I have, I'm going to bet I have, on this Floyd one. By the, by the way, Floyd's going to just... It won't even be close. Of course, it's not even a, it's not even a question to me. Anyway, so there's a bunch of these things that are like this, but I think this is really cool. It's a really cool product. It's a it's a predict. People have been talking about these prediction markets in crypto for a while, and this is a crypto based thing. So the the problem is who when you want, created this? Um, just like I don't know some group, some team of people in the crypto world. And so what they what? say is, if you see at the bottom, there's a disclaimer. Polymarket is only for informational, educational purposes. We do not custody your money. We do not take profits. We don't host these bets themselves. So what they say is, there's a betting protocol. Uh, bets get made on there. And this is just a, a website displaying the bets and letting you like bet into those markets or bet into those uh, bet into the protocol or not. And so the, these bets are all made on the Ethereum blockchain. 
So you um, the, like the whole bet is made there and then they have a system for validation. So how do like, who's going to say if Floyd Mayweather beats uh, Logan Paul? Well, there's like details in there of how they're going to decide. And then there's what's called trusted, like there's trusted oracles or whatever. There's yeah, trust, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a group, yeah. there's a decentralized group of people who will all submit their answer. What happened? Yes or no. And once there's a consensus, like if there is consensus, then the bet finishes, it closes. And if there wasn't consensus, like, you know, uh, whatever, is New York City fully reopened by July 1? That's something to me where I'm curious. I don't know how they're going to resolve that. Like fully open, it says it needs bars, restaurants, blah, 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 blah. But like, what if there's some gray area? I don't know how they resolve these bets in that case. But I find it really fun to, like, I think if you listen to this podcast by now, you know I'm kind of a gambler. Um, I find this to be a fun uh, way to gamble on things that, you know, you're betting are going to happen. And so I put 5K into this thing and I started betting on different bets and I'm having a blast. And so I'm going to keep doing it. I I, I think this is going to be quite large. Um, like I, I want right? to bet for the Saturday Night, Live, Saturday Night Live thing. It said, will Elon Musk mention Dogecoin on Saturday Night Live? And uh, yes, was paying out at like 94 cents. But I was like, I'm pretty sure he's going to do it. And so I bet yes. And so I made, I bet 250 bucks and I made $330 or something like that. So I made like a profit of, uh, I don't know, I forgot what it was, like 80 bucks or something like that on the bet. Dude, this is badass. Um, so how did you find this? Uh, people in crypto talk about this thing. I've, I'd heard the name before. I've been to it before, but this was the first time I actually started betting on it. Like you on Twitter, they talk about it? Yeah, I don't even know, man. I'm just like so knee deep in the crypto world. I don't even know when I hear about things. Maybe it's Twitter. Maybe it's a friend. I, I have no idea. Oh, they just raised money. Yeah, they've raised money. They're they're kind of well. They're like a well considered brand, I think. Um, which is kind of weird because this thing, like, if you go to the website, the how it works and stuff, is like pretty skimpy. They don't really do a great like for a for a financial betting website. You would expect them to have like way more like legalese and fine prints and everything. And they really don't. It's very like very bare bones. Uh, but but yeah, it's pretty cool. It's like a, a Las Vegas betting system built on top of, yeah, Ethere- this is great. On top of Ethereum, right? So if you wonder That's what's great. the value of something like Ethereum, is it just speculation? Like, no, people are building essentially casinos on top of Ethereum, right? Uh, outside of the financial system. It's pretty cool. Do you want to do, for the next episode, do you want to do the first segment on a how-to? We can do, because I... I think I've got good research methods and I could explain mine, but would you be interested in explaining, do you have a particular way that you find, because I, I, I mean, I get anything that I, a lot of stuff that I've invested in or that I invest time or just like curiosity into, I learn from you. Do you want to share how you do that? Or is that not even a shareable thing? Well, I have an idea of something I could share when you started talking, but uh, my brain what? started to think about that, which is how to win inside a big company as an entrepreneur. What, how to like make a mark inside a big company. So I've done a couple things since joining Twitch that I think allowed me to, I just like didn't do the rat race. And instead I made, I did, I just put a little effort into these like four or five other things that nobody else in the company does. And because of that, I got like an outsized reward. I basically, um, like I made a name for myself in a good way. It, you know, by doing X, Y, and Z. And so like, if you're somebody who's in a big company and you're like, well, I'm just, I'm just at this point, I'm just another fish in the sea or, you know, I want to get promoted, but I'm like, I have to climb this ladder the way it's currently constructed. My answer is no, you don't. Uh, there is a way to be like interesting inside a big company and do a few interesting things that will let you leave a larger footprint than just your 
job if you do it the way everybody else who has your same job title in your company will let you do. And so I'd like so, to share some of those things, the how to, how, how I made my mark inside a big company. And uh, I'd like to share that, you know, for others to do in their company. So a how to, I don't know what we're going to call it, but how to succeed in a huge company as an entrepreneur, how to, um, what I want to do is like how, how, the, how we do research. And then maybe a third one that I want to learn from you is how do you manage this small team of people? And because you have like a personal crew and like, what do you pay them and what are the costs and what's the ROI and things like that? That is something yeah. that I would love to learn from you. Yeah, I'm down to do that one as well. Um, and so, yeah, some people have asked me about that. So, yeah, we can, we can do that one. I think more people want to know. So I think people want to know that one. And there's a lot of people who listen to this that have a job. And um, they're not like ready to go quit their job and start a company. They don't well, want to. Well, would you tweet out? Whatever. You want to tweet out those three ideas and or I, I can do it and we'll see what the people say? Yeah, let's do it. I think we should do all three just in what order. We'll do we'll, we'll do one each time. It's okay. Uh, June 3rd. Did I say, I think I said June 3rd to you. We're doing, Sean and I are doing a meetup. Uh, well, I guess it's trends and the hustle and Sean and I, whoever's doing it, we're going to be there. We're going to host an interview. Uh, I think with like we can do our thing in front of everyone. And then also Noah Kagan will be there. Do you know Noah? Uh, never met him in person, just on the pod. So he'll be there. We're going to do it at his office. So he's been kind enough to let us have his office. Uh, so you can go to MFN, like my first million, MFMPod.com and enter your email and you'll get notified when that's being released like the uh if when you're we in come austin, to your town yeah when we come to like we're starting gonna, with austin yeah we're gonna start with austin that's on june 3rd it's uh it's likely I'm, I'm almost positive it's completely free and we'll have room for small 50 people and then we haven't settled on this yet but not the day after but likely the day after we might go to miami um we haven't we, we got to lock that in. If you have an office that could host 100 people. Dude, let's people, lock it in. What are we waiting for? Let's lock it in. It's done. Well, we, haven't, we haven't found the venue, but the decision is done. Yeah, like I'll, I'll, I'll plan to go, but we don't have a place to be. So <laughs> yeah, that's all right. We'll figure it out. <laughs> if you want to host us, uh, basically, if you want to provide light drinks and light food and you want to mm -hmm. have 50 to 100 people, tell us. It's going to be in the evening. It's going to be like a 7 o'clock thing. Maybe and, 500 uh, people. M Mayor Suarez, if you are listening to this. Hey, we've traded I, a couple DMs. Hey, you know, I've been I, seeing you talking to my friends. Let's do this. I think we could get 100 or 500 people. I just don't know if I personally would want to. Would you want to like riff in front of 500 people? Yeah, if I'm going to do 100, why not 500? It doesn't make any difference to me. Well, I don't even want to do 100, but let alone 500. <laughs> uh, but yeah, whatever. I'll go with the flow. But we need a place. So if you want to host us, you can and I've got a couple other updates. So we're going to talk. We got a, Sean actually did most of the research for this one. We got a ton of cool ideas. But do you want an update on some podcast stuff? So yeah, give me I've the been working numbers. with our team. Okay. So uh, in 3 1, so what was that? Uh, March. March, we did 338,000 downloads. In April, we did 436,000 downloads. So uh, that's a 30% gain about. In May, it's tracking towards around 520,000, which is another 20% 20, 20 increase. I think we can keep going. And I want to tell you what I think is, is causing all this. The first is Balaji, the biology uh, episode. So guests typically we have found don't work that well, 
but a really big name guest or someone that has a cult following like a Thai or a biology, um, that works. Thai? So his, Who's Thai? Lopez. Oh, Thai Lopez. Okay, gotcha. Uh, when we did that one, because he's he got like, like a cult following and a cult unfollowing. <laughs> he's got both. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So that that worked. So the biology's episode is probably going to be the most listened to one ever. Um, so how that much, worked. Uh, uh, it, how it, much it, more it, is it than than the usual? Is it like twenty percent more, fifty percent more than a typical episode? It got to thirty thousand like in the first week. Typically, our episodes get to thirty thousand over like two months. Gotcha. Okay. So it, it did that in like a week or whenever it was. When did it get released? A week five ago? Days, five days. Five days. Oh, oh. so I talked to him on the phone and he said, yeah, I, a good episode. I shared it. So hopefully that helps. And then uh, he's down to share more. I, we only tweeted out, I think, one clip from it. So he's down to share more clips. And he liked the animation. He was like, oh, like looks like production value is going up. <laughs> I was like, sweet. <laughs> yes, it is. Yeah. Uh, so that worked out well. And then you want to know what's working really well is how to's. So anytime mm. a title is called how to build a paid community, how to build paid events, how to whatever we've done, those rank the highest no matter what, or not no matter what, but more often than not. So like in our top 10 most downloaded stuff, it's either an interview with a huge, a, a well-known person, um, which like an Andrew would be a well-known person or a how-to blank. So we have to do some more how It's almost like they don't care about us and our great ideas. They care about themselves learning something and being able to do something they want to do. I think that's exactly what it is. <laughs> and then it's ourselves peppered in there. We are the spice, but the meat is the how-to. Right. And uh, then finally, I got a last update. Um, we're running some ads on, do you know this thing called the Billionaire Investors Podcast? Or what's it called? It's like a famous thing. Is it it's, We Study Billionaires? Is it that one? Yeah, I love that podcast. Have you listened yeah, to good. it? Yeah, so we're running an ad on their net on their network on that podcast. I think uh, we bought it last week. I think it's going to go live this week. Then, so there's two types of podcast advertising that I'm learning about. The one is what we do is people advertise now. HubSpot advertises on our podcast, and people go to HubSpot.com/slash/mfm whatever. The other one is podcast platforms. So like Overcast. Have you heard of Overcast? Overcast. Yeah, like these clients, these apps you can use to listen to podcasts. Yes, and on those clients, those. Uh, users click subscribe. And the strategy that I'm doing is or what we're doing is we are going towards niche niche ones because those niche ones typically have a far loyal following and you could get low cost per click to download right. and subscribe. And so it makes doing- sense because those people, if you are, you got to be a real podcast junkie to go get like a new podcast app because it has these extra five features about podcasts. So it's actually a really good audience that's probably really cheap because nobody else really goes for them. So I, I, I like the strategy a lot. And they're they're techie. They're like tech, tech yeah. they're early adopters. Yeah. And so we're running ads currently on CastBox. I've never even heard of them, but it looks cool. And then yep. Overcast. And so those are some of the updates. Uh, it's going well. Okay. What about the, so the ad on the We Study Billionaires podcast, what is it? Because I'm always like, if I'm listening to a podcast, what's actually going to make me go subscribe? One is... A guy comes on or a girl comes on and they're a guest. Like uh, this happened with Elaine. Elaine came on our podcast. She did ideas. And she said it was like, I don't know, one of her biggest, uh, her newsletter got like a huge spike in subscribers. Like her next email send was, welcome all my new subscribers. This is amazing. And she said she got, you know, thousands of new subscribers from her appearance on the pod, which is great. And so that one makes sense because if I go and guest on somebody's podcast, you listen to it for 45 minutes or an hour because that's your favorite podcast or that's what you listen to regularly. 
And you might be like, oh, that guest was cool. They said they have a pod. I'll go check it out. I like that method. And I'm, I've said it. I got to do this. I, I still have to go do it, which is I want to go guest on as many podcasts as I can. That'll be part of my contribution to this growth strategy. But this ad is a little bit different. It's just like a 30-second sound clip. What are we saying in that 30-second sound clip that's going to make somebody want to subscribe? Unfortunately, it's not a clip. I think it's going to be Stig, the main guy, reading. But frankly, I don't know. We just closed the deal on Friday. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> uh, so I have to figure it out. But we have our guys. So we, we got this team, uh, Henry and Dylan. They're making like a hype, like a sizzle reel. Right. Um, and we might be able to use that. But I don't know. But I agree with you. Like in theory, I agree with you. I just don't right. know what's what's available at the moment. And we're doing some other stuff to make it easier to follow. So I'm emailing. I've grown my email list in this year from zero to twenty six thousand subscribers now. And at twenty six thousand, I just sent it out for the first time last week. So just uh, it's uh, just seanpuri.com. So if you go subscribe there, you get all my emails. But one of the weekly emails I send now is a podcast recap. So if you don't have time or you listen to the pod while you were on the go. I basically take the best three bits from that la- from last uh, the last week of episodes, and I say this was the best idea. This was kind of the second most interesting idea, and here was the third one. And so, sent that out for the first time, and I think that will also make it easier for people to like follow along. And if you were kind of on the fence, or you were you're in and out, you listen sometimes, you don't listen other times. I think that'll keep you on the hook because so and easy. we had, and then I copied your email like yeah from Sean and I sent it to like 30,000 hustle people who clicked on a my first million link in the past like 2 weeks and we're actually going to increase that so it's like 100,000 people and my takeaway so far is it actually might be good for the user but shitty for our numbers because you just get the information without having to listen which kind of sucks that that like has to be the case yeah um, I, I I thought about that but I don't think that's actually how the world works I think if you keep giving people value in every form that they want it short form text long form clips on Twitter, clips on YouTube, video on YouTube, podcast audio. If you just keep giving people value, they will learn that, oh, and whenever I want ideas, whenever I want to feel that my my wheels turning, if I want to get that juice, that energy, um, Sean and Sam are the place to go to get it. And our best, the raw, the raw source, the real deal shit is in the podcast. And so I think over time, those clips, they just bring people who are on the fringes closer to the core. I hope that's the case. And I'm betting that's the case. I'm, I'm yeah. putting my money on that. But yeah, yeah but it's a fear. I, and, and I want to bring this back to one thing, which is a lot of times we talk about this inside stuff. And I hopefully it's not like a circle jerk, like, oh, we're awesome, yada, yada, yada. Uh, I'm revealing this because a lot of pe- people like this. I like it when I hear other people say the numbers. But also, I want to point that I think we're doing really good. But I actually don't think that we are good. I think persistence is good. And the reason why this is working is because persistence works quite well. So we're actually on, we're close to episode 200. We've been doing this for, uh, is it going to be two years? Almost two years. Yeah. Two years, maybe in September or August. July, something like that. July. And I would say that we miss, I I get sick sometimes and I miss stuff. Sean will miss stuff because he had a baby, but we're pretty much always on. And at worst, we're mostly at least good. Uh, <laughs> like we're like it's typically always at least okay. Sometimes it sucks. Sometimes it's really good. Mostly it's okay. And like sorry, mostly it's good. I would say, but that consistency is actually really important. And we're we're going to AppSumo, um, and I guess now in three weeks. And there's a great story that Noah told me, or 
and basically, Noah Kagan runs this company called AppSumo. Um, it's a it's a weekly email where you get deals on software. This year, they're going to do 100 million in, in gross revenue, and of which like 50 50 million is their revenue. It's a great business. It's 10 years old, and he was like, you know, I realized something that this business that we're running it's done really well, but it didn't do well at first. But everyone wants to know like why is this doing so well? And he goes, I really just put in 40 hours a week, but I just did it for 10 years, and it has finally started to pay off and turn out. And done really well. And it's just like, it's just a job. And I just, but I do it all the time and I treat it like a job and that has paid dividends. And I think that more people who listen to us could kick ass a lot harder if they treated their side hustle like a job. Uh, yeah. I, I would, uh, so I agree with you. Persistence is great. The one thing um, that this reminds me of is I got some advice from the CEO of Twitch, Emmett. And, um, we so so when I got acquired, uh, when, when our team got acquired, our company got acquired, we were put on a, a special project inside Twitch, and it was kind of like one of the like it, uh, most people at Twitch are working on something that already exists. Hey, this you know people already use us. We're already the category leader. You got to make it better, make it more profitable, make it smoother, make it whatever. It's more like uh, maintaining and improving an existing winner. And we were put on this little. We're on the edge of the island. And we're the only team in the company, basically, or one or one of three teams that was working on something that where we weren't the winner, it wasn't proven. And so we, uh, and it was considered like a kind of a top priority. So we did this thing uh, every week, the top, uh, my team would present to the CEO, the COO, and the chief product officer. We had an hour with them every week. And in a big company, you don't really get an hour with those three people every week. That's like a very expensive meeting, as they say. And, um, because it was important. And I used to go in and I would try to basically every, I feel like every two weeks I was pulling a, a rabbit out of my hat, trying to be like, and here's the new genius tactic that we're going to do. And this one is going to be the one that works. And like some of them did make an impact, but Emmett had this observation where he was like, you know, I feel like you um, have a lot of good ideas. And then every month we're we're like sort of uns like on a weekly or monthly basis when we sit here, it's always like, yeah, it's good, but it's not as good as we want it to be. We're still like, we're so small. We want to be so huge. Um, and he's like, you're impatient with the results. And so, so I, so I changed one thing at the top of every, um, every update that you have to bring in a memo at the top of every memo. Um, I was the only person in the company that was doing this. Everybody else, their memo goes straight into like, here's the weekly update. Here's how it's going. Here's what, here's what we're doing next. At the top, I wrote in bold, impatience with action, patience with results. I said, that's our team motto. I'm putting it up here mostly for myself to remember. Impatience with action, that's when impatience is good is when it's you're being impatient about taking action. But impatience is bad when you're impatient about results. So I'm putting it at the top of this fucking paper every week. So we're all going to see it. So that was cool. Then the second, the, the second lesson came like six months later, nine months later, when he was like, by the way, you guys notice like, we got the results. Like it's actually coming to fruition now. And if we look back, we can't say which one thing we did was like the big growth mover. And he goes, he goes, there's this uh, phrase that I think Andreessen Horowitz uses, which is, or they made it more popular, I guess. I don't know if they invented it, but Ben Horowitz has it in his book, which is there's no silver bullet. There's only lead bullets. And this is uh, about, this is basically uh, what that means is, there's no silver bullet strategy. There's no one thing you're going to go do 
that's just going to magically like make everything okay, make everything work. Um, the only growth strategy that truly works over time is a many lead bullet strategy, which means you fire, a, you do a bunch of things and you keep firing, keep firing, keep firing until the, you know, the, the thing f- falls over and it finally, finally you break through. And so I would say this is a good, and so that became the second motto, which is remember only lead bullets. And so that, that was the, those were at the top of every weekly update was those two That's things pretty good. to catch myself. Because I'm good, but my what's my leak? My leak was impatience. My leak was looking for the genius tactics when all it took was lead bullets and patience. And uh, and so you know, if you take away one thing, you know, us talking about our growth numbers, I think some people will like it because they like hearing the actual numbers. It's great when somebody's like transparent about things. Cool, we're at over half a million downloads this month, uh, like monthly now, and we're trying to get to a million. Some people will be like, ah, oh, why do they talk about their podcast numbers so much? But I hope the takeaway is forget about how our podcast is growing. That's probably irrelevant to you, but you probably have a project you're trying to grow and hearing how Sam thinks and talks about how he's growing this podcast is going to be beneficial for how you do it. Okay. How to grow a thing. Um, yeah. you know, back to our how to's. I think that, um, and we'll move on, but the last, the phrase that I've been thinking about a lot lately is people overestimate what they can accomplish in a year but they underestimate what they can accomplish in 10 years and decade. Right. Absolutely. And, and that's kind of an example here. Like we've been frustrated on some month to month basis or week to week basis, but like, it's kind of cool seeing these numbers, uh, like really start to pay off. Uh-huh. Yeah. I feel like I can rule the world. I know I could be what I want to. I put my all in it like no days off On the road, let's travel, never looking back like. oh, yeah.